0: The following podcast is an Embassy Row production.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. As always, I'm Darren Karp, and I am here with a tech nightmare of a woman named Liz Cully. Liz. I'm not
2: a tech n- nightmare. <laughs> First of all, Facebook is naughty and they shut down for the day this week and that had nothing to do with me. Darren, I have to tell you, I was in the middle of actually posting something for scissoring and I'm like, what is going on? Like, did my Instagram get hacked? And I did. Did you refresh all day long?
1: During the, during the downtime, like two days, Mm -hmm. a couple days ago. Yeah. Um, Yes. Well, the thing is, is that because I do interviews in the morning, when I get online, like my team already knows like everything that's happening. So when I was trying to refresh, like first thing in the morning, it worked. And then everyone's like, oh my God, Instagram's down. And then, or Facebook. And then um, I saw that it was down, but like, no, I didn't continue to refresh. I'm also like, you know me with social media. Like if it's down, I kind of say like, thank God for a little bit like the world can focus on totally like I think, maybe people could read a book i don't know that's like i mean the, the timing
2: point. was a little interesting though 60 minutes interview happened did you watch that did you i watch didn't that watch it no Francis? i read about it the next okay. morning in the wall street journal but i didn't i didn't watch because i am I, yeah i just didn't watch do that. you
1: have any strong we rarely talk about things that aren't necessarily queer related but i feel like social media is something that we kind of need to discuss did you do you have an opinion on it are you like well
2: listen I think the reality of it is that you know this woman was like dude we know for a fact that you know the way this product is being created is to keep people on the internet it's to keep them on the platform we there are tons of studies already that show that Instagram specifically has affected like an entire generation of young particularly female identifying people's self-esteem and depression and anxiety then we get on to the like fact that it's perpetuating false information specifically around politics and, like, important government information. So, like, mm-hmm. that's a problem.
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know? I, I I actually – I mean, yes, I understand what you're saying. I think that I have – I have a lot more questions than I do accusations about it because for me – what's the responsibility there? Like, of course, Facebook is in the business of wanting us to be on its app all the time. You know what I mean? McDonald's is in the business for us to make McDonald's all the time. So of course, right? Like no business, whether it's JP Morgan Chase or McDonald's or DoorDash or whatever business is going to say like, no, I'd rather you not use my company. Right? Like, of course. So that to me is like, that's not really a knock that that's how I feel personally like them saying that about Facebook is like well yeah duh like it's a business my also other complaint about it is like I mean it's horrible that it's affecting girls self-esteem and boys you know I mean mostly girls but like people it's affecting people's self-esteem that I understand I just don't really know what a private company's responsibility well, really is to it company. like
2: the public company one and yeah but it's not government
1: run but it's not government run
2: I think the issue is that right it's not government run but it's a public company which means it's ip right yeah so yeah but that doesn't have anything standards. to do with rights
1: but that doesn't have anything to do with rights no, like but governments also, can't do that because like cable news does that all the time with misinformation totally, totally, and not reporting but, things so i don't
2: i don't really get yeah, how so facebook went in front is, of congress and said that the platform didn't do that
1: a hundred percent. And that I think is maybe so more I think of the, the issue question, right? rather. Yeah. That might be a better question to ask as opposed to people being a little surprised that Facebook might be evil because, because part of it to me is like, well, we have individual responsibility, right? I mean, like, you know, eating McDonald's three times a day isn't probably the best thing for you. Does that mean McDonald's should be banned if we do eat it three times a day and it's causing obesity? Like, I I don't know. I mean, they're comparing it a lot to the tobacco industry, how the tobacco industry was basically being like, cigarettes are healthy. And like, it's one thing to lie in front of Congress, which I think Mark Zuckerberg needs to be accounted for. But to pretend to be surprised that Facebook was doing this, I feel like is a little, like we're not sheep. Like we all should have like a, when you're watching cable news specifically, and one could even argue maybe broadcast news, but cable news specifically- whether it's Tucker Carlson or even Rachel Maddow, I think there has to be a little bit of onus on the viewer to say like, is this the most accurate information? Are they just telling me something? Maybe I should outsource this to other places. You know, maybe I should have five articles that might say this fact as opposed to just one news source. So the fact that they're kind of spreading information, I mean, they're not forcing you to go on the app, Which is why I was saying it was a private company versus a public company. IPO, yes. I just meant like if it's not government run, like we have to go to the DMV to get a driver's license. There's no other place to go to get a driver's license, right? So if the DMV is like, we're not going to take gay people to get their driver's license, that's discrimination. But if a private company was like, we don't want this and that, it might be bad, but I don't necessarily think it's against the law to do that because it's not we're not obligated to use those things and anybody smart would create a different platform and have a lot more accepting in that like if 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 another app twitter for example which by the way talk about spreading misinformation could say that like hey we're gonna treat the citizens right we have this we have that and get everyone to go over there then facebook would be out of business
2: well there you go darren there's your next business
1: well, yeah. I'm not saying I want to do it. And listen, obviously, like, it's horrible what's happening. And I'm, I'm not denigrating that. I'm just saying, like, what's the what's the solution after having that? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think the government should come in and tell Facebook necessarily how to run. But I think the citizens have a responsibility to themselves to be like, maybe I shouldn't be using Facebook anymore. You know? Like, maybe this is
2: not – I know. I mean – You know? And that wouldn't
1: be a bad thing. I,
2: well – you know, and it's and I think it's this interesting moment, right, where we talk about the internet, we talk about social media. Obviously, w- you and I are both benefit from both the internet oh, and absolutely. social media, and it has democratized information. People can have relationships, um, a la Thirty Day Fiance, which, by the way, I just watched Thirty Day the other way. Wow, ninety really? Day or thirty Day? or ninety days. Sorry, I was I like, no, these people are. <laughs> Crazy, which I'm I like. Interview those Why people all are all the time? these people meeting dudes? From like random ass countries on Facebook. Speaking of, maybe that's what Facebook should get in trouble for. Maybe Facebook should get in trouble for 90 day fiance. Let's be real here. Like, like the that number is one really, reality
1: show on television we should blame I Facebook think for.
2: That's the problem. But yeah, I think you know what? Well it'll be interesting to see. I think everyone, I mean, gotta love the memes coming out of a day without Instagram. It was like Leslie. Well, Jordan. that was great. Did you see Leslie Jordan like doing a whole video like I am addicted to Instagram? I mean, by the way, Leslie Jordan, if you're listening, please come on. Scissoring isn't a thing.
1: Do you feel addicted to social media? Yeah. Like if you didn't, if if you were like, you can have your phone today, but you can only use it as work correspondence. And let's just say that had nothing to do with social media. Like you can have Slack or whatever you do. You can check your email. You can do research. You can have access to the internet, but no like – social media I found myself worked.
2: checking it. I found myself in the pattern of like checking it is emails. one thing.
1: Do you need it? Do you feel like you need it every day? Mm, no. Okay, well then you're not addicted to it. Like there's people who are like, yeah, they want it up, but I feel like there's people who are like if they don't have it up, then they're they're not getting that um adrenaline rush or the endorphins I from now people definitely- to like their photos.
2: Listen, I love a fail video. Like I love when people like fall down and run into like those videos on the internet, like fail army. It's like oh, I mean those grip, are great. I mean it's my favorite, so I definitely was checking in on that and missing that content in my life. Um but no, yeah, I mean like, I take breaks, but I also like don't I think I see to be honest with you Darren, I see the internet as work, too. <laughs> Like it's all the same. Like I see Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Like I see it as an extension of work. So of course, I I just meant like,
1: and of course, like I'm not saying that like people don't involve it. I'm just saying like there are differences between people using it, I think, appropriately and like absolutely needing it. Like if Instagram goes down for five for five hours, they're like, well, what am I going to do with my day? And I'm like, well, there's plenty of things to do with your day. And you know, I think people put a lot of a lot of, and I don't know because I'm not a parent. And I was thinking about this today with everything coming out. I was like, if I had specifically a daughter, but it could be true for a son. I'm not saying anything. It's not really, um, it's not really so cut and dry, but like, would I allow them to have a social media account? What would that look like? At what age would that be appropriate for it? You know? And, and that's, I think really the question. It's also high to, it's also easy to hide, excuse me, kids doing that nowadays you know because every fucking kid has a cell phone so like obviously it's hard to prevent them from like downloading an app when all of their friends have it i just don't know if we can like blame all the societal problems that we have on depression onto like one app, it feels more nuanced to me. And I think it's taking a little bit of way of individual responsibility. And sometimes I think when you bring the individual into it and having individual responsibility of saying like, hey, no one's forcing me to go on Facebook 900 times a day. I think it makes you a better, more informed person about your health. Because if everyone's just doing things to you and you have no control of yourself, well, of course you're gonna spiral. And I and I'm I'm a big person in individual responsibility in that way, if we're not being forced to use that. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people would disagree with you. I but think so. For the purposes I of think so. this intro of this exciting interview. <laughs> I'm just gonna let you stick out there with your I, I think it's nuanced. I think it's complicated. Yes, I think that's my a point. lot of people might not necessarily like. Look at free will the same way as you do. I think the whole point of this whistleblowing is like her point from what I read. And again, I didn't watch the 60 minutes was that they are actively trying to make a product addictive. And so that begs the question, like if you are purposefully making something to try and work against somebody's ability to have free will, is that cool? And is that not cool? Not necessarily legal, but like, is that right? And I think that's the difference. Do you know what I mean? Because some people might not have control. Or they might not have the same types of control as others. And that's just like what it is.
1: There's a lot of things about like morality clauses and things like that, you know, and you know, morally bankrupt as opposed to anything else, which you know, I think, is, I think is an interesting point. And I do think, in general, having these things come out, I'm not saying that the whistleblower shouldn't have said anything or there shouldn't have been an interview. Don't get me wrong. I think that the best disinfectant is sunlight. The more knowledge the public has about what's going on, the more informed decision that they can make. But sure. once we have the facts... It is a little bit up to the individual to decide, like, do I eat that? Do I put this drug in my body? Do I get a vaccine? Do I go to a hospital? Do I do this? You know, and so there's just a lot of things that, like, we as individuals need to decide for ourselves and not expect the government to necessarily make those great decisions for us, because as we've seen in the past... Just with the botched, amazing botched communication, even about getting the COVID nineteen vaccine, we are where we are because the government completely botched that communication. Totally as opposed to going totally. to your individual doctor or provider, you know, and that's really what what it's about. So It's a long-term fight. I mean, I know that most people probably are going to disagree with me initially, but I I encourage them to also ask on the other side, like, well, what's the the solution then on their side? And I'm open and hearing about that. But for me, I don't think there is like one clear-cut solution and it can't just be like, OK, well, we just eliminate Facebook or we have the government run it because like no one's going to want that. Like trust and believe. I mean, no one's going to want that. Like the reason no, Facebook no, is no, so no, no. popular is because it's, you know, run by people who are actually capable of doing that stuff. So
2: yeah, it's run by a bunch of fucking nerds up in the Silicon <sighs> Valley. It's like, hey, Canadian. Frances
1: wasn't a nerd. I mean, she was a nerd, but like a cool nerd, you know, like, fair, can,
2: fair, can be cool be cool nerd. Yeah, she was. Well, the good thing about not being on the internet is that we've both been going to events and doing things. And our next guest, I met IRL and begged her to be on the show on
1: the roof of a yacht. And here she is. And that is usually how Liz meets people, by the way. And by the way, just before we introduce her, just before we get to the next guest, I wanted to say happy anniversary to you and Rachel.
2: Oh, my God. Thanks, Darren. Two years married. News. That That's is right. the queer news. That That's you are the queer doing. news of today. <laughs> you are right. That is the queer <laughs> news you. of the week. Um, yes. Yeah. But Corey Ray, who's on the show And in just a moment, I mean, first of all, is she not the most beautiful person inside and out that you've ever met? Like, you know my answer
1: to that, right? You know my answer. You can see my answer in the interview.
2: (laughs) Well, and you know what was so funny is that the, so the night we recorded, like, so we recorded this interview in the morning a couple of weeks ago. And that night I went to a Can party, which if you guys haven't listened to our interview with the founders of Can. Go look in the archives. And we like ran into each other and hung out the whole night. Like, how cool is that?
1: I mean, I'm just jealous of your LA life. I mean, what can I say? I'm over here like struggle bus and you are over there living your best life on yachts. So <laughs> literally enjoy on our next guest because it's a it's a it's a yacht of fun. <laughs> I'm I'm here all week, people. I'm here all week.
2: Oh wow. Okay. All right. Maybe you should go try that one out on Facebook and see how it <laughs> lands. <laughs> Getting. um all right we'll enjoy the episode we want to tell you about our all year round favorite beverage it's crisp it's dry it's refreshing wine and it's in a can and all five flavors are zero sugar and only three carbs 100 calories per serving they have Rosé, Sauve Blanc, Pinot Gris, Pinot Noir, and a sparkling white wine. My personal favorite is the Blanc, but to be honest with you, this winter I'm awesome zabbling in the Noir. We love Bev as a perfect addition to any activity. Brunch, a day in the park, hanging out on the slopes, or catching up with friends you haven't seen in a year. There is literally always a good time for Bev. So for our beautiful Scissoring Isn't a Thing listeners, we've worked out two exclusive deals receive 20% off your first purchase, plus free shipping on all orders. Also for all of our homies in LA, use the code scissoring at the Rose Garden for 20% off your first round. We definitely recommend trying their best selling ladies night variety pack for all of their refreshing varietals. Go to drinkbev.com slash scissoring or just use the code scissoring at checkout to claim the deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-B-E-V dot com slash scissoring. Well, without further ado, I really want to introduce our first guest and get right into her bio for the listeners. Just so you know, one week ago, well, actually one week ago tomorrow, I ran up. On a yacht to this person. This is like Liz
1: Cully cold emailing in, in the person. wild now. That's what, right in the wild. This is Liz Cully in the wild. That and just because and the you
2: know, I think some of our listeners know the dynamic with my wife, who like never goes out to any of these things and is a very yes. low key person. I was like, do I do it? Do I not do it? Do I go up? Do I say? What do I do? What do I-? She's like, you're being so fucking weird. Just go. You you are a nerd. You don't care. You have no ego. Go tell this person how much you love them. So today we have Corey Ray on the show. <laughs> Yes. Corey is an activist, yes. a model, a storyteller, and the world's first openly transgendered prom queen, which I'm excited to get into. She educates audiences about being transgender, uses her voice for the LGBTQIA plus community in helping individuals that struggle with gender identity, the transition process, coming out, or feeling like their most beautiful selves. Also, Corey is potentially one of the most beautiful and attractive people I was gonna say in my life. Like, <laughs>
1: probably the hottest guest. Literally. I'm just saying. Probably a supermodel. Probably the hottest. Um, yeah, like, okay. Corey, welcome <laughs> to the show. Corey, welcome. This is to the Thing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank and allowing girl. us to flirt with you a little bit. That's just what Liz and I do best. So I hope it's okay. I hope you feel seen. And I think
0: that's why the three of us are going to get along, <laughs> because we all are flirting. So this is good.
1: This is great. So Corey. All of our guests, we ask how they like to be identified, sexual wise, gender pronoun wise. Would you mind answering that for the audience, please, so we don't get it wrong?
0: Yeah, so funny. Twenty twenty one. My pronouns are she or hers, and I am heterosexual. Amazing. Beautiful.
2: So really, Darren, Love relax it.
0: on
1: your flirting. I have no chance. You have no chance. Okay. Zero. <laughs> no chance. But uh- I am.
0: I am. I'm one of the straighties, unfortunately. uh,
1: One of the, we won't hold it against you. We won't hold it against you. You
0: you say, no, don't knock it till you try it. I think (laughs) I'm a straightie for sure. I
1: I feel like you probably know. Like, I, I, you know, people are always like, how "How do you know, Darren, that you're a lesbian? I'm like, how do you know you're straight? Like, you just, I I hate that question. So I get it.
0: And I know this is such a trope to say, but like, I really do wish I wasn't so straight. Like, I do (laughs) wish I wanted to be sexually intimate with women, because I think it's so fascinating, and I obviously love women, and I love my vagina. I'm like very proud of it, I'm like, but for some reason, I'm just like, oh, I love these idiot cis men it's <laughs> it so is terrible. i I
2: mean men so are trash. You're one of men those. are trash, yeah, <laughs> but as i actually I said last night, this was interesting. Rachel and I were out to dinner. And we were listening to a couple get into a fight, and it oh, was I hate so. It. But also, I'm gripped. A hundred percent. I mean, even Ravioli. I'm was like, going, I gotta stay around, right? Like, I want to stay around. Right. He was going in on his girlfriend about flirting with other guys, and he was being super crazy about it. And I just couldn't help it. A glass of wine later, I was like, Ugh, Here we men go. are trash. They're only useful for sexual For sex.
1: Uh, I said it okay, so but, loud. <laughs> but let me just say, for the record, as someone who has dated both men and women, but now exclusively women, women can be just as bad with jealousy as men can. Like, it really, it, it it's, it's not just men. Like, I've dated plenty of women where it's like, you can't look the wrong way, you know? Corey, you seem to be agreeing with me, but also in thought, so...
0: It's it's more so. I think it's not about like the gender or sexuality that you are. I think it's about like the secureness of yourself yeah. in the relationship. Like yeah, I am a flirt by nature. Like I'm a very flirty person. I'm you know bubbly, whatever. Like I love to talk to people. I love to flirt. Like I love that. But I think I would be looking for someone in a partner who knows that's a fiber of my being and is like, I know Corey and I are together. I know that Corey would never actively yeah. hurt me be malicious try to cheat on me and so I think it's more of like a secure thing like how secure are you in your relationship how communicates how, how well do you know each other like, rather than like the, you know it's like yeah everyone can get jealous that's not there's no boundary around who gets jealous more or not I think it's just who's really secure in that relationship and can be themselves and like flirt a little which I don't know but then I turn around and if my boyfriend where to look you're like fuck, you. yeah. to like fuck you yeah exactly so i'm talking out of my ass it's a here, double but, standard that's fine it's it, yeah. it's totally yeah, that's fine. that's what it yeah.
2: is it's all a yes. bunch of double standards um yeah. so i we want to learn like about you where did you grow up i mean i we both read a little bit on your website so we kind of know but i want the listeners to know Kind of even just like who court like where corey grew up i also just want to say and how i was like how did i find corey and i think that you were so this is why i do sort of like the internets sometimes is you were sir like in my discover page i saw like the most beautiful photo of oh. you and your friends at like the pendry hotel or something or or whatever it was it was back all the way in june I hate seeing groups of beautiful people. It doesn't help me. I so love amazing. it. I'm like, follow right here. So anyway, because <laughs> I it. know you yes. you and I were talking about that when we met. I'm like, oh, also, Darren, you'll love that I even opened up the email to show Corey that I had emailed Stephanie back in oh, like good. June begging to get her on the show. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, but Corey, where did you grow up? Tell us the whole thing.
0: Yeah. I'll give you the spiel. <laughs> um, so I am from Los Angeles oh. very originally. Oh we a California family, but when my mom, when I was about seven, almost eight, my mom married my, what was my stepdad and he was a theater actor and he wanted to move to New York. So we moved to New York for him for his career. But I grew up in a small town in New Jersey called Short Hill. Short Hill, Hill oh. is small. I grew up in Montclair. Uh,
1: I know Short Hills. Oh Yeah, well. Sh- oh. Okay, I grew up perfect. in Montclair, yeah, so I know. So it. Oh, I Amazing. played Milburn all the time in high school uh, and soccer. I know them, know them very well. Oh, Anne
0: yeah. Hathaway grew up in Short Hills as well.
1: She did. Yes. Okay, yes. so I know it.
0: Okay, cool. So grew up there, which you know is pretty close to New York. So I went to a New York school as well. Um, and then I lived in New York for about a year and then moved back out here about four and a half years ago. And I guess in the transness of it all. I really had started to express my femininity from a very young age. Rather, I just expressed myself and it happened to be feminine. And my mom really, she had been bullied in, her, in like her childhood and things like that. And I think when she wanted to have kids, she was like, I'll never let my kids be treated the way I was treated when I was younger. So when I started to like ask for Barbies and dress up and all that stuff, she just, was like, okay, this is what makes Corey happy. And my brother had also been like painting his nails and playing with Cabbage Patch dolls. And she's like, listen, like, yeah, kids are kids. If it's a phase, it's a phase. If not, it's not. And, you know, and I was born in 93. So like in the 90s, people were like, well, gay, gay, gay. And right. I was like, all right, maybe Corey's gay, but like, okay, you know, and. And so obviously when, as we grew up, my brother didn't stay on that path and kind of, you know, went on this path of like cars and sports and South Park and dirty humor. And I was like Barbies and pink and girlfriends and makeup and my mom's heels and all that stuff. And so I lived, I was really happy, like as a child in California, but when we moved to New Jersey, yeah. different place. And really, that was where I started to notice people have really started to treat me differently or perceive me differently. And would say things to my mom. Like, I don't feel comfortable with your son playing dress up with my daughter. I don't feel comfortable with the play dates. I don't feel comfortable with Corey playing with makeup. And, you know, this is when my mom would like pick me up. So I would hear the conversation and I would say things to her and she would be like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Like, it's okay. And so I knew that something was different, so to speak, about me in relation to the other kids in my class. And so it kind of started to hide that part of me. And when I went to middle school and I learned the term gay, I just didn't identify with it. I really felt like a girl. And I kept praying. I was like, please, God, let me wake up with the vagina, please. Because I, th- I thought vagina right. meant woman, um, which all these years later, I now know that genitals have nothing to do with that. But I really was um, attached to this idea, this fantasy land of what I wanted to be like. And so I held on to that for a long time. And as I got older and got into high school or was going through middle school and people started like be able to have their first kisses and things like that. I, I think the world started to weigh on me a lot. And I was in a career day class in the eighth grade and a mom came in to show all her advertisements in different magazines. And every kid in class got a different magazine. And by fate, I got this people mag, and I was slipping through it. And there was um, a centerfold story, or I don't know if it was centerfold, but a three page spread on this trans teenager. And I saw the word transgender, and this quote that he had said was, I feel trapped in the wrong body. And this was a trans teenage boy, so assigned female at birth. And so even though it wasn't someone assigned male at birth, yeah. I still identified with it. And immediately I was like, oh my God, transgender, like this is real. Like all these thoughts, all these prayers that I have, like, it's not only me. Like before then, I, I, I genuinely thought I was the only person on planet earth who felt the way I had felt. Yeah. I was like, what is wrong with me? Why is nobody else wanting to feel like the other thing? And so when I saw it, it was like a eureka moment. And I brought that article home and I read it over and over and I brought it to my mom and I was like, is this girl lying about being a lesbian or is this trans thing real? And my mom was like, no, this is real. You know, Kind of wanted me to naturally tell her, never wanted to force me to say, I want to dress in girl clothes all the time. I want to be a girl. She wanted me to tell her those things instead of her being like, wear these clothes, whatever. So a couple of days later, I like, was like, I can't do it anymore. And I went downstairs and I, she was working at her desk and I said, mom, I want to be a girl. She goes, okay. And I told her about this whole fantasy world that I had created in my head of like how I was the popular girl in the middle school and how like, I was just like this one girl who I'd wanted to be like, and like, you know, this whole world. And I said, can I start high school as a girl? She goes, I don't know. I just, I don't know. And so it took her like three years to find someone who would see me. And so I went to high school presenting as male, And that's when the weight of the world really started to got heavy because people weren't just having their first kisses. People were like getting sexually active and going to school dances. And, you know, there's a lot of binaries that happen in in high school and puberty for males and, and whatever. And I was such a late bloomer that I hadn't started puberty yet. And I was still 15 years old and not going through puberty. And so my mom, one day, I was a junior at this point, my mom looked at me and she goes, do you want to start wearing my clothes? I was like, okay. Coolest
1: mom yeah, in, in the world. By the the way, way, Corey. I'm just I'm just like I'm just mom. like the fucking badass I, mom. Like I've never heard stories like this. Is, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
0: But 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 that's because she had been through yeah. so much as a child and a kid and had been, you know, through some shit where she's like, I don't want my kid to feel the way I felt. I want my kid to be confident. I want my kid to feel loved and supported and like have a good parent. And so yeah, she's a fucking badass. And she's an OG. She's my mom is what I consider the OG supportive. Sounds like it. I mean she
2: sounds amazing. For
0: the show. For Caitlin. Yeah. She's a a woman of a different time. Yeah. So I slowly started to transition. And because our body types are very different, she's very like hourglass and very stick straight and taller. Her clothes looked very androgynous on me. And so I just kind of slowly was growing out my hair and wearing her clothes. And eventually in the middle of my junior year, she found a therapist who would finally see a teenager. No one was seeing kids or children at the time. And my therapist had never, she never told us, but she had never seen a kid before, but she's like, I have to take on this case. And my mom brought me in and we had this session and she said, yes, you are definitely transgender and we should start you on hormone blockers before you go through puberty. And it, And at the time, I my shoulders were just starting to broaden. I was starting to get a little bit taller. My voice was starting to drop. So. I got it in the nick of time before like the body hair and facial hair and stuff like that. But that's why it's so important these days that we have these laws that allow children or teenagers to choose whether or not they want hormone blockers because it gives you time to decide if this is a quote unquote phase yeah. or if it's not. And that's why all this legislation that's you know we're trying to pass to protect trans kids there's so much misinformation out there about like letting children choose. But what people don't understand, these hormone blockers is what allows children to give themselves time. And so I was blessed and, and and lucky enough to be able to have hormone blockers and say, give myself some time. And I realized this is the path I wanted to go on and started estrogen. And, you know, I was growing up my hair, whatever, the whole nine yards. Ended up wanting to run for prom queen because I figured I'm already Presenting as a girl in front of the school, no one has any idea what trans is. They thought it was like another form of being gay, and I was like, whatever.
2: Were you at the same school that you like? Did you ever switch schools? Yes. Oh no, so it was the same school. So
0: I decided to stay because I was always considered the gay friend anyway. Mm-hmm. And so when I started to transition, even though I didn't say to people, Hey, I'm this thing called trans and I'm going to become a girl. When I started to grow up my hair wear my mom's clothes and like nail polish and all that stuff, people were like, I don't know what's going on with Corey, but it makes hmm. sense for Corey because I was so, and I am so feminine. Like femininity is just a fiber of my being. I've always been very binary woman in that way. Pinks and colorful and sparkles. Yeah. Like that's just me. And so it made sense to all my peers who didn't know what was going on, but they're like, it just, sure. it makes sense. And that's not to say, like, I went through some shit and people said some mean things to me. My mom got so many phone calls from parents telling her, how dare you let your child do this? Even one of my best friend's mom told me, you're going through a phase court. You're going to grow out of it. And of course, today she's apologized and she understands and she's one of my biggest supporters. But like people just, this is two thousand nine and 2010 and 2011 people didn't understand there was no Caitlyn Jenner Laverne Cox wasn't on orange is the new black yet you know there was no social media. I didn't have Instagram I don't even know if I had Twitter I had Facebook if that and my space like it was just a different world and so I was like fuck it I've already decided to like transition in front of these people and I seemed to be accepted enough like the girls had my back and the The boys knew that they couldn't say shit to me because then the girls wouldn't make out with them at parties. So I had like my little leeway. And I was like, I've always idolized these 90s blonde underdog stories and they always become the prom queen. So why not try? And I ran. And whether or not people voted me as a joke or because they loved me, I won. So (laughs) fuck the haters. And, um, yeah, and I won prom queen, and I had assumed at the time I was the first, but, you know, I didn't know, and we had already planned that I wanted to go off to college living stealth, so I didn't want this in the news. A lot of outlets came over in high school to talk about it, and we kind of were like, please, we don't want any press around this, you know, because I wanted to go off to college and live without anyone knowing I was trans because I wanted to be treated as like a sure. normal girl. Sure. So to speak. And so whatever, I went through high school, graduated, and then I, yeah, I lived four years of college stealth. So I, for anyone listening who doesn't know what stealth really means, it means that I didn't disclose, so to speak, that I had transitioned. So my boyfriend did not know. My college friends did not know. People, when I had jobs, they did not know. After I graduated high school and Caitlin had already came out, I worked a year in New York without people knowing. And uh, that way of the world really weighed heavily on me because I kept my high school friends separate from my college friends. Mm. And I'm a connector. I love connecting people. I love having worlds collide. And it was hard for me to balance this world of like, people really don't know. And if they think, you know, or thought maybe when they met me because of my voice, it's a, it's been past their head for years. You know, they're not think, actually thinking every day, Corey might be trans, right. you know? So it's like, these worlds were just... It was a lot. Yeah. Like Twenty one, you know? A lot. And sorry, just it's,
1: just to interrupt for a second. Is part of you separating that, like, was it in your mind an embarrassment, or you just wanted to be like oh. it was like you're past that trans point. You're like, I'm a woman and I just want to be treated like a woman, not a trans woman. Is that what it was?
0: It's definitely more of the latter. It's definitely more of the, I am a woman. I have always felt like a girl. I've never felt like I needed to put the trans label before it. Right. And because in high school, everybody knew I wanted the opportunity to be able to experience life without being the trans yeah. kid in school. And with that, you know, I was quite young and I was pretty. I looked exactly like my mom. I had what we call, it's, it's a little, it's a little, uh. Uh, there's, we don't know if saying passing privilege is really Mm. PC anymore, but what we used to call as passing privilege, which is made up of two things. Did I have the socioeconomic background to transition, i.e. therapy, hormones, new closet hairstyles, whatever. And did I have the genetic makeup to pass? Do I look like my mom? Am I smaller framed? How tall am I? Whatever. These are things that society has deemed as more woman, and will accept trans women more often if they fit into the mold of what they see as a woman, walk, talk, act, look. And I fit the mold. And to be honest, I've never met a trans woman like me before who was at the time, nowadays kids transition and they're like gorgeous, or whatever. But at the time, all I saw in media were like a man in a dress, quote unquote, because that's what we saw in movies, right? We saw these like male actors playing these trans roles or these female actors playing trans male roles. And like you always thought of them as like a man in a dress or a woman in a suit. You never thought of like them being young and happy and sexy and supportive and just normal. And, you know, and I'm sure that statement in itself is, is a little controversial, but it is what it is. And so I, wanted that opportunity to feel normal i knew i had that privilege and the other part of it was not embarrassment mm-hmm. but safety going to a college on long island there's a lot of republicans there's a lot of small town people um there's a lot of uneducated people and I was scared that if I were to say I was trans, again, before Caitlin, before it was talked about openly in the media, I would get bullied or beaten up or harassed or just treated differently. Maybe I wouldn't have the opportunity to fall in love, which thank God I was able to have the opportunity to fall in love and experience that. And so I was scared and I actually became very angry and hardened by the world and lost a lot of myself because I was so self-conscious of people finding out and I was so angry because I just wanted to be myself and I was mad that the world wasn't at a place where I could just be myself and I felt like why do I have to pretend not pretend but why do I have to hide who I am just so I can feel safe like this sucks like I was so angry that people didn't understand what trans was and I was in the room with people who would talk about trans people in such a derogatory manner. And I sat back and I'd be like, if only you fucking knew like who you were in the room with right now, right. that you were in the room with a trans person, that we can be sexy, that we're not what you think of as like a man in a dress or a guy hiding from his wife and kids and playing dress up in her clothes. Like that's not what trans is. And you have no idea what it is. And but I couldn't say anything. Like I wasn't an activist back then because I wasn't standing up for the trans community because I was scared of my own safety and all we saw on the news and media were these boys don't cry is a perfect example, which was terrifying. Trans community where it's like, which is like Brandon Tina, and yes, those stories are incredibly still important to tell. But where are the positive ones? Where are the ones that uplift us? That's how you influence a generation, and that's why I'm here in Hollywood. But you know, whatever. So at the time, it just, it was more so out of safety and out of the want to be treated finally normally, where in high school, I was definitely still the trans friend. And then Caitlin did come out, thank God. And it gave me the confidence to want to come out too, but also to tell people, listen, Caitlin is a very stigmatized version of what it means to be transgender. Still, she has a ton of privilege. She isn't what I would think of as the best representation of of a modern transgender woman. And that got me thinking, how could I show people that we could be really young in transition, that we can, you know, not have to hide ourselves for years and throw ourselves into athletics to try to cover for how we truly feel, which is what Caitlin shares about, you know, it's like, she she threw herself into athletic world and can I be the best man so that she, right? So like, I wanted to be like, no, we can, we can embrace it from a young age and we can be loved and like all this stuff. And so I was trying to create an online modeling portfolio while trying to write a book. And I just decided to mesh those things together, make a blog post and tell the world I was trans and see what happens. And I did, and I, the blog post is called Allow Me to Reintroduce Myself. And that was the first time I openly told everyone that I was trans in five years.
2: And how old were you at that time?
0: It was just after my 22nd or 23rd birthday, okay. 22nd, maybe.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, or no, no, 23rd, maybe. It's a year. I don't know. Yeah. 23rd birthday. And um, I was not expecting the response that I got, but Yahoo had syndicated it and then followed up with an article about me and they'd interviewed me. And that kind of pushed me into this role of Oh, you're a trans activist. You're a writer. You're uh, you're a trans writer. You're a trans model. You're a trans activist. I'm like, oh my god, like I haven't even come to terms with the fact that I'm trans yet. I've been living for five years as a cis woman. I I I need mean, my time, and I felt a lot of pressure to follow up with blog posts. You know, I didn't have a team behind me at this time. I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea we'd get like a hundred thousand reads. I thought like right. you know twenty people would read right. it, and so. I, you know, I just wanted to get the, world, the weight off of the world off my back. And so it kind of threw me into this role, which I am so grateful for because my life took such a turn for the best. But it's been an interesting journey for me because I've had to learn how to assimilate myself into the LGBTQI plus community, where I felt like for so many years, I had, I had someone I had told before I came out, a professor of mine, he told me, do not come out, uh, trans woman will hate you.
2: Well, I was, that's a question that I was going to ask is like, when was the first time you ever met another trans Mm. woman that you were aware of? And, and did you share that you were also trans? Trans
0: woman or trans person?
2: Ooh. Either, I guess. Yeah, either. Good question. Either, anyone.
0: The first trans person I had met was a trans man and he, I met him because my therapist said before we start you on hormones i would like for you to meet a, another trans person and i had to go to like a group for lgbtqi plus people i didn't relate to anybody it was called the gay center in new york it used to be called the gay center yeah um, isn't it
2: called and, the center yeah it's called the probably, center. yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah. Um, went to like a dance there couldn't relate to anyone so she's like you need to meet a trans person so met him but he was you know uh, assigned female at birth so our journeys were a little bit different but Uh, That was the first time I met someone, so it was nice, but I also still couldn't relate one-on-one. And the first time I met a trans woman, I was post-even surgery. I had surgery my freshman year of college. Actually, it was the day after my 19th birthday, so just after my freshman year. And I recovered that summer and then went into sophomore year, did half of my junior year, and the second half of my junior year, I went abroad to Amsterdam and I was I studied the sociology of gender and sexuality, and that's what I minored in, in Amsterdam. And I did not know this at the time, but we had to write a research paper on transness. One of the classes was like about gender, like just gender. And I wrote an article, 40-page research paper on the difference of transitioning in the Netherlands versus the U.S., me using myself as the U.S., and I had to meet someone for the Netherlands. And so I met two trans people, a trans woman and a trans man. And it was another eureka moment for me where I was like, oh my God, trans people have been here since the beginning of time. And it's everyone oh, else yeah. oh, needs course. to come to. Yeah. But I didn't know that. I still thought I was a rarity. I didn't know a lot of people could be trans. I thought maybe it was just some people. I did not realize how embedded in mankind it had really been. Humankind, I should say. To the fact where there's like Aztec, Incas, Mayan. You know rituals. There's mummies that were like, you know, the DNA or whatever might have been more male, but female burial styles. I mean, there's so much. There's so much evidence of transness. I mean, to spirit and intersex and all these things and all these different ancient Chinese civilizations. You know, like oh yeah. So America can't. Um, but yeah, so I that was the first time I met someone who was trans and they or that I could relate to, and it really opened up my eyes. And I went back to. Hostra the next year for my senior year and it was I was a completely different person that a lot of the anger had passed a lot of the why me why did I have to be born trans why why can't I just been born sit well we didn't have the term sis at the time but why couldn't I have been born a normal girl you know whatever that dissipated and I was like no Corey, like you are in the right body in the, your soul is in the right body in the right time and I'm here in this life to show people and bridge the gap between the trans and cis worlds and show people that like we can have supportive families it's not always those horrible cases that you hear of like there can be successes we can be happy yeah and that's what really wanted me to lead to the blog or coming out but I didn't know how and then when Caitlin did that regardless of your you know anyone's opinions on her political beliefs Caitlin you have to give her the credit for that's what I always say oh we do on this show I literally always say that and like
1: I almost adamantly defend her because I'm like, listen, politics yeah. is one thing, but like, look at what she opened for a lot of the community. Like that's totally regardless yeah. of what you vote for. Like people put so much weight on people's political beliefs that they forget that they're still kind of humans too totally. sometimes. And I'm glad you sort of said that because I, I felt like I was one Liz and I were like the only two that were kind of like
0: defending Caitlin in, in a lot of ways for the community. I mean, here's the thing. Not every person is a good person. I know a lot of trans women that I do not like. I'm like, you are fake inside and out and I do not like you. And I don't have to, just because you're trans. I don't love every lesbian, trust me. (laughs) Right, exactly. And so I don't have to like Caitlyn Jenner. I don't have to support Caitlyn Jenner's uh, agendas. But what I do support and what I, again, adamantly praise her for is the courage to do what she did Regardless of every resource that she had, it doesn't matter. The fact that Caitlin, uh, an, Amer- uh, an American hero, went Straight out up. there <laughs> and said, Hey, I've got to do what I've got to do for the rest of the time that I've got on this earth, and you can like it or not, but I'm going to go on Vanity Fair and I'm going to be me. Done deal. That is fucking something that I had never seen in my lifetime and gave me the opportunity. To be my true self with people. And so, yeah, Caitlyn Jenner did that. And I know a lot of people are like, well, Laverne Cox was on Oranges and the Black. I love Laverne. I have a personal relationship with Laverne. I think she's an incredible Definitely. human being. But unfortunately, Laverne Cox isn't the superstar of a Kardashian Jenner
1: or, Olympi- or an Olympian of a decathlon, right. which is like the epitome of masculinity. Like,
0: Exactly. Literally, You
1: know, I mean, exactly. it, so it is a different type of thing. I mean, regardless of sort of privilege, it's like, sometimes I get a little annoyed when people are like, well, they're privileged to say that. I'm like, yeah, but what's the reverse? Like they have the privilege and they do nothing. Like, I don't know if that's good either. That doesn't seem right to me. And that's
0: exactly why I do what I do. I am taking the privilege and I know, and I check my privilege all the fucking time. Excuse me. I don't know if I can curse, but like whatever. No, um, you can fucking curse. Okay, We're from Jersey. Oh. Um, you can fuck. <laughs> Um, so I am (laughs) hyper aware of my privilege as a white woman, as a blonde person, as a trans woman who's smaller framed, as a trans woman who's been supported, whatever. And I am using that privilege as fuel to show people you don't have to be me. And I don't want people all the time. And it breaks, it breaks my heart. And it's really hard to even talk about, but like so many people will be like, I just want to be you, or I just want to look like you, or I I, I hope one day it can be somewhat as pretty as you. I'm like... What? don't try to be me don't try to be anyone but yourself like there's no one transness you don't need to be short to pass or or to be accepted or to be validated as a, as a person like I don't want you to feel like you need to get facial feminization surgery so that you can feel you know like you can be accepted like I want you to be you I want you to be okay with yourself and happy with yourself and know that like being trans is so fucking beautiful. Like how cool is it that we are these people on earth right now who are, who are going against everything that has been embedded in our culture for the past couple hundred years, maybe even thousands. And we are saying, fuck you. I've got to be me. And don't worry about what you look like as long as you're happy with that. and, And you are bettering yourself and you're evolving. Like that's what, that's what matters. And like, so I'm using this, like pretty privilege or this fuel or whatever it is that people put me up on this pedestal. Of, it's like, don't compare yourself to me. Don't, I know that you wish you had a supportive parent and I'm so sorry that you don't, but at least you have a place of solace online. Yeah. You have an online community. You have my followers. You guys can, you know, meet each other on, in my comment section, you know, it's things like that. Like, that's, what's important. It's not about like looking like the ideal the feminine part. woman. Right. Yeah. Right. And it makes me look sad. Yeah.
2: I will say, though, you are very, very, very beautiful and hard uh, to take a picture next to. Darren, I'm telling awful. you, I was sitting there. I'm <laughs> like, God damn it. I try not to take Don't pictures. Worry, I, get with hot, skinny, skinny, I get it all the time. Skinny, tall, tall, all I get it all the time. Tall, blonde women. And here I am.
1: She can't take pictures because I'm so <laughs> radiating. I often <laughs> say, and I kind of stole this from one of my favorite authors, but I, 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 I say this, but I, I say you have to say I before you can say I love you. And that really means about like, you have to really love yourself before you can love anybody else. Like you have to say I and you have to say it very confidently. And so much of your journey and so much of what you're talking about is really teaching people to your point about really loving themselves or who they are and what they have and looking at really the positive of everything. For anyone that's probably listening who might be struggling with maybe the, I like dolls, but I'm, you know, born a a male and am I gay or am I trans? And I don't know. And all these questions, what is the first step, do you think, in sort of accomplishing loving yourself and accepting yourself?
0: Yeah, I want to just set a quick opportunity to to use some terminology education. Please. Because it's always ever-changing. And I was just mm-hmm. talking about this with my Republican aunt and I was like, all right, bitch, just shut up. Oh, like, that's a podcast. Um, but, <laughs> no, right. So, um, But basically, she's like, I said F to M and M to F, male to female, female to male, or born male, born female isn't what we say anymore. It's assigned male at birth Got it. or assigned female at birth. So that it doesn't denote our experience as trans. Um, for instance, like I would never say I'm a boy. Right. You know, like I was named, like, I wouldn't say I was born a boy. I was assigned a boy at birth, you know, but like gotcha. I would never, whatever. And, I, and I know it's kind of just a different way of saying almost. No, but it's important thing, though. But it's important. No, thank you. That's
2: literally why we have people come on. That's why I think for us, and it, you know, you said in the beginning, Corey, but we don't like, know oh, sometimes, you know, I'm like yeah. everyone's asking each other's pronouns, but we don't want to no, make ever that. an assumption yeah. or a mistake. So thank yeah. you for that education moment for both of us yeah. and the yeah. listeners. No, of course. No, we appreciate so that. Re- thank you. I'm
0: still not used to being asked pronouns. I'm like, what do you mean? You think I'm a guy? But it's like, oh no, this is just re- disrespectful. Like nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Know. We ask everybody across the board. Yeah. yeah no, I know. Really we ask all
1: literally all like even yeah. cishet people. No, I know, know. I know. I you know. know. Everyone. It's just
0: like, no, I know. It's just like so funny that to me, it's...
2: Just, it's progress,
0: it's like, wow, but it does seem
2: weird. Listen, straighties like yourself yeah, that's sometimes right. yeah. have to be thrown in the gun. Those record. damn heteros.
1: <laughs> Just yeah.
2: like the rest of us. No, and also yeah. because it's so much assuming, right? And I think that's where it's it's... And I know, it's really interesting. I think so many people aren't used to it regardless if they're queer or not. They're like, "What? what? Yes. Like and also generationally, right? You can speak to some people that are in the LGBTQIA plus community that
1: are maybe in their fifties and sixties yeah. and they're like, What the hell are y'all okay. talking about? Well, intention matters, right? I mean, like if you're asking yeah. a question just because you genuinely want to know, I don't think there's a wrong ever question to ask. But if you Yeah. So but thank you for that it, clarification. It yes, absolutely. So
0: Right. So, what is
1: sort of the first step in sort of accomplishing right. loving
0: yourself for who you are, whoever that may be? Totally. One, I think unfollowing anyone who doesn't inspire you or spark joy for you on social media, because I think that. Man. Yeah, I think that like social media can, and I say can, be so toxic. For comparison, what I was saying before: please don't compare yourself to me. Don't compare yourself to Gigi or Laverne or you know whoever else that you uh, admire in the trans community, um, because we're all different, and no two journeys on planet Earth are the same. So no two trans journeys are going to be the same. And I think that's the first step is like is knowing that like we just can't compare ourselves to others, and that helps a lot. I also think um keeping a gratitude journal is really important. Oh. Um I started recently doing the 5 minute journal. A friend bought it for my birthday in June and I kid you not and my friends and my therapist have recognized a total 180. I am so different from this journal. It's 3 pops in the morning, 2 at night. So like if you do the journal for like a year, you have to like promise yourself something and if you don't do it consecutively you have to promise to do something. So I'm gonna take myself on a trip if I do this journal, and if I don't, I have to donate to Trump. So like my ass oh, has been doing this journal. My God. It's like accountability for yourself. So smart. And so I get up.
1: So smart. Right? I didn't think you were going there. You're like, I have to. Spend I'm like, whoa, Corey. Like, oh, stakes yeah. are high. No, but Trump no. campaign. There. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah,
1: Please write in your journal right soon, now. So I'm
0: like, can't be donating there. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I I have a feeling she'll run. I oh. tweeted it just to make sure I could tell everyone I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so I Ooh, think uh, oh. I think that's a big part of it is the non-comparison and to get people who really inspire you on social media, follow good accounts. those inspirational accounts because that gives me a lot of like every day, like you need to love yourself, like things like I, you can't just say like, oh, I'm going to love myself today and think it like you need to immerse yourself in these places where like, yeah, if you spend a lot of time scrolling, you should be scrolling past inspirational quotes and things that help you. If you need to, you know, figure out how to love yourself more or be more grateful for what you do have, gratitude journals are so helpful. Like it's the small things. Like the other day, I think I was like, I'm grateful for the color pink. I fucking love the color pink. And some days it's a macro thing. Some days it's smaller. You know, it's like, I love, I'm so grateful for my cousin's baby, Delilah. She really brought our family Mm. together. Or it's small things like, you know, I'm really thankful for my manicurist. I don't fucking know. But like, you know, now like, you're
1: talking Liz's language here. No, this is yeah. this as a I lesbian. Am. I don't got them, but Liz is. Yeah. yeah, She's in. She's you in. You got
0: to always keep one or two short. Thank
1: you for um, seeing me, Corey. Thank you for the acknowledgement. Thank you. You're welcome. Feel seen.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Gross. But, I don't want to hear yeah, it from you too. So, anyway, I think that gratitude <laughs> journals are super helpful. And I think also, along with the online communities, it's it's the people that you surround yourself with, people who you have to find people, and this takes time, but like people who really believe in you, people who love you for you, because I think part of me loving me was one, I was like, fuck these haters, I'm going to love myself. But two, I had that support from my, I had the initial support of my mom and even my dad, who I don't even talk to, he was the most accepting of tra- my transness. He was always buying me Barbies. Wow. When my brother would say, why do we have to be in the Barbie aisle? I don't want to be here. And like my brother was super embarrassed and toys are Us, My dad would be like, Matthew, this is what Corey likes. You can go pick out another toy. Some-. He's older. So he could like roam around the store. He was like, you go pick out a toy. Also 90s. You go pick out this another toy and I'm going to be with Corey in the Barbie aisle. And that was that. And so like even my dad, who was a piece of fucking shit, the one, the one good thing that he did right was accepting me for me. And because I had that security, I could, lo- I knew I could love myself and that's really important. So find digital communities, get a, get a, uh, you don't even have to go buy one, get loose leaf paper, make, write a prompt yourself on gratitude, and then also surrounding yourself with good people. Like you can't do it alone. You really can't. Like I would, I don't think I would be yet as self-loving, if that's a thing, as I would be if I, if I didn't have friends who love me unconditionally. And then when I came out to them, they were like, okay, we love you. You know, if I didn't have my boy ex-boyfriend who said, that doesn't change anything for me, you know, like if without that unconditional love and support, I probably would not be as confident and as self-loving as I am. So it's it's yes your inner work but it's also surrounding yourself with good fucking people right which is hard and even said than done but
1: even if you have a shitty family even if you have a family that doesn't accept you get to choose your family in a lot of these communities which is great you know queer communities it's like it's our chosen family and that sometimes is even more powerful than the blood you came from so
0: absolutely and there's all of us out there yeah Uh, although I don't like this app anymore because I felt it was super toxic Clubhouse there are ways to find really good communities. I ran a trans group every week called Trans Talk. It was on Tuesdays and it was a place for trans people to come and feel support and share their stories as well as cis people coming and asking questions and show their support, which really I should start that back up again. It was so wonderful. I did it for like two months, but it became outside of my group became very toxic, that app.
1: Yeah. But, yeah.
0: Clubhouse but there's is pockets.
1: Like, mm, there's pockets. Darren but and I were pockets. dabbling. And so then basically what but I'm there's saying is pockets if it's of goodness. not your
0: family, if it's not your church, if it's not your temple, if it's not your school system, you need online communities, go to social medias where you know that there are going to be some good communities. There are definitely some LGBTQI creeps on Clubhouse and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. So just seek it out, even if it's not totally in person.
1: I love you. I love it. Sorry. Oh, well, sorry. Excuse me. She's dating me now. Back off, my girl. Sorry. Back I'm
0: off. Okay. I'm okay with
1: both. Yeah. So listen. Just double. like you know, we know you're, you're a hetero, but like it doesn't like, like this, pretend we're in college. I mean, you're a lesbian until okay. graduation. You know, I'm like, just like we okay. can Share something purses. to think about for us. Signed okay. Down. Something to
0: think
1: about. Fun <laughs> deal. Yes. Well, Corey,
2: we like to wrap up our interviews with light-hearted, the little game. fun. Yes. Back and forth no game, right rapid answer, fire, yes. lighthearted uh-huh. game of uh, <laughs> scissor me this.
1: What do you think, if you were to name like the worst possible prom outfit, what would that look like on a person? What is the
0: worst Wait. prom outfit? Um, and I'll call myself out on this, something black and <gasps> anything that is too, because I wore black to my first prom. Um, and I just think you should go on, go colorful. Yeah. So one, using a black. But also, um, I think anything too frilly for prom. Like, don't go frilly, go sleek, go sexy, mm-hmm. go, like, cool. Like, cutouts are hot, but, like, the frilly and the big poofy, like, dresses. I'm like, these are still happening. Like, people are still... It's so 2010.
2: Uh, very yeah. Jessica talk
0: vibe for anybody yeah. who knows yeah. what yeah. I'm talking
2: about. Okay, since we met on a yacht,
1: <laughs> which
2: was casual...
1: Which do you prefer, edibles
0: or Ugh, flowers? This so is gonna really determine if we're gonna date Corey. Okay, obviously, there's nothing like a joint. They, there's just nothing. This is like why a Corey joint. and I are
1: fu- like, just date me already. I mean, it's just like ridiculous. Hey, okay, it okay. just <laughs>
0: um, But I have been on the edible train recently because it doesn't make me, my throat feel as shitty. And also better for your skin as I'm nearing 30. I'm like, hmm. But if I had to choose, I'm going to choose flower. Like there's nothing like a joint. There's nothing like a bong hit. Like you just get, it's a different type of high. It's a different high. And I high. love it.
1: Yeah. And nothing a nothing like a joint. I um, love it. Yeah. Name three items you cannot live without.
0: Lip balm, mascara, and... Three items, lip balm, mascara, and a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair for the first two to be applied appropriately. That's fucking wow. awesome. Okay, got you there.
2: What is the most epic song to get ready oh, to? Oh,
0: fuck. So many. Anything Dua Lipa or Brittany or Kim Petris um, really amp you up. Also, I've been on a huge disclosure um, train recently <gasps> yes. i'm a big yes. edm person and disclosure i've been getting ready to recently i'm like this is fun this is like a good like i'm getting ready i'm going out like and it's not total pop music so anything like that love that answer okay last one for me oh i have a better answer oh go Perfect okay. day by Hoku. It's what I make my bed to every morning, and it's the you know the song um, that that intro is to Legally Blonde. Perfect day. So I make yes. my bed to it every morning. So that's like my getting ready song, mm-hmm. I guess.
1: Talk about loving yourself. I love this. Last one for me: limo okay. or party bus?
0: Where are we going? We're gonna go
1: to prom. I'm taking you to prom, Corey. This is me asking you to prom, and we're going to prom. What am I picking you up in? Let's- Classic nineties limo. Come on, yeah, Classic come on. We can We can get li- lift up out of the windows and like, yeah, yes, yes, exactly, <laughs> yes. exactly. I know. We're, yes. I know. Yes.
0: Okay. I, you're not I invited, Liz. I, Sorry, I will hope
2: Liz. that it's white. Yeah, and I kidding. am inviting I, myself. I never went to prom, so yeah, I'm inviting prom. myself. All right, we can have a
0: queer prom. Yeah, you
2: can drive us, Liz, but Corey and prom be
0: <laughs> in the back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my and god! We'll just, like, I can't drive you because I will be. I will have been drinking. Um,
0: oh, we great. love you. Thank, Thank you, you for doing this. Oh, we love you tell guys. everyone it's
2: where to so f- follow you and find you. Where can everybody yes, follow um, you? So you can
0: find me on Instagram and probably Twitter and Facebook at I'm Corey Ray, TikTok at Corey Ray, um, and my website CoreyRay.com.
1: I love. I you.
2: love it, and you can find us. <laughs> just I may mean, not yet. Yeah, just the, the two, two of, us of us in a limo by ourselves. Is to say. Darren is um, at Carpe Darren. I am at Listen to Liz. And the podcast is at SIAT Podcast. Honestly, Corey, for being out in the wild after a year at home, meeting you in person and having you here a week later okay. has been a highlight. My wife even said, oh, my God, that's so quick. I was, she was like, shit happen. no, happen. So we were so Happy oh, to you. have you. And when Darren's back yes, in please. town, yes, I hope you
1: would know. love to. I would love out. that
0: having me. Thank this you, is Corey. So fun. Thank you, Corey. We yeah.
2: Scissoring Isn't a Thing is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SIAT Podcast. See you next Tuesday.